Welcome to the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage pastors, to equip leaders, and to engage the community with the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Jeremy Randolph. Welcome back to the podcast. We are in the sixth part of our series on spirit-led preaching. That means we're in the home stretch. We have this episode and two more remaining before the conclusion of our time studying this book, Spirit-Led Preaching by Dr. Greg Heisler. In today's podcast episode, you're going to hear from Dr. Clint Davis, pastor of First Baptist Mount Pleasant, Texas. He is going to be discussing the Holy Spirit and sermon delivery. The more you talk today, the more ineffective, mm-hmm. inefficient, and inadequate, I feel. Uh, and if you've been doing this a long time, it just amplifies that feeling. There's no advantage, really, of having been in it for a long time, because whether you've been doing it for seven years or 40 years, Sunday comes around every seven days, regardless. And so, uh, at the same time, it's been encouraging. I love to hear you guys talk. Good to hear, brothers. There's such great value in our coming together and sharing our our opinions. We're such a different lot, and we've got different perspectives and different opinions. And and what I observe today is that nobody is right, nobody is wrong. We we have our perspective, and we need to we need to gather those and do with those what we will. So here we are, chapter eight. Uh, we're nearing the end, which is where everybody likes to get with our sermon. <laughs> the spirit in the sermon's present presentation. I mean, we are to that place where you've prepared and now it's time to stand up and to deliver what God has given to you and you hope that on the way out some of your blessed congregants are going to say to you, Whoo! The Spirit really moved in the service this morning. Or they might observe, Oh, Pastor, you were filled with the Spirit this morning. Now, I don't get that every Sunday. And so should I conclude that the Spirit is absent in the majority of those services, since nobody makes that observation. What is the place of the Holy Spirit in the actual presentation of the message? And what type of preaching is most conducive to Spirit-filled preaching? The bottom line of this chapter he wrote is this, the sovereign Spirit of God works with a variety of delivery styles and uses those styles to proclaim His truth through us. Passionate, engaging delivery that remains open to the Spirit's extemporaneous leadership is ideal. Extemporaneous leadership. So my thought was, here we are, a living preacher delivering a living word to a living congregation. Not static. Dynamic. One of the things I hated most about COVID was preaching to an empty room. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I didn't. I had sound people and a few musicians who I guilted into staying in the far corners of the auditorium. And on those Sundays, you'd say, well, did did you envision your congregation? Nope. I preached to about eight people. And I made eye contact with them. And I let them have it. And so they had to rotate over those weeks who could could stand it. And a different group would be in every time we came together for worship. There are, there are a lot of styles, and I suspect that if, if we had a, a preaching meeting where we all got up and preached sermons, we would discover that, ooh, we're different. 
we've, we've got different approaches to to the word, different approaches to delivery, and again, not one is right and not one is wrong. I made this observation, no matter our style of delivery, no matter how you're dressed, no matter how you, how you present, the preacher should work diligently to avoid becoming the distraction. Yeah. That, that, that thing that keeps people from hearing what God has given you to say. Physical habits. And this took me back to my college days when I visited Cindy's church. Their pastor, and he was a, he was a nice guy. But I, I remember that as, as a college freshman, I counted the number of times he took off his reading glasses and put them back on. That became what I did while he preached. He wasn't a great preacher in the first place. But anyway, he, he would take them off, he would put them on, it became a great distraction. And then I got to the point in my ministry where I had to start wearing reading glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and I had much more sympathy for them. And particularly when I get all excited in the midst of a sermon and I take them off to read and put them back on when I'm through reading and then realize I couldn't see. No wonder I couldn't see while I was trying to read. Hitching up your pants, pointing your finger. I had a minister of music. And he had to have it. Of doing this with his arms to his pants, and and by the time he finished, his zipper was over his, his and it bothered me because I knew he was going to have to make an adjustment before he could go to the bathroom. <laughs> things we do, things we say, uh, mm, oh, can become distractions. Inappropriate humor or a monotone delivery can become paralyzing distractions. So uh, it is that there are, there are a number of uh, styles of delivery, and he, he really didn't. Uh, he pointed out strengths and weaknesses of all of these. We, we, you've mentioned those already in, in, in your discussion of presentation. Uh, you may stand and read from a manuscript, carry it with you into the pulpit, and, and read it. I have watched a pastor or two who I had a measure of respect for that carried a manuscript and read the thing to us. Uh, they, they, they looked up every now and then, but not very often. They read through from start to finish and, and covered every word. And that can be advantageous because they cover what they prepared. It, it is uh, detrimental when it causes a disconnect with that living congregation sitting out there in front of you. And your goal is primarily to get finished with the manuscript and not to deliver a message. Expanded outline is, is another form of a, of a manuscript, and that's what I use. Uh, there's enough of it in there to keep me on task, to keep me moving through and, and remind me of things that I, I certainly wanted to include in the presentation. Uh, the problem there is getting lost where you are in that expanded outline and having to take an unnecessary pause to find yourself again and having to stop and find your place. The people out there know he's lost and hopefully he'll find out where he is. Uh, memorize preaching uh, and that's for you guys that have a good enough memory God bless you I applaud you I'm impressed by you but you sicken me uh, to be able to do that is incredible and, and again there, there are great advantages and, and disadvantages as well and then he included not necessarily as a, a different style of delivery but uh, Chris you just mentioned this the, the idea of incarnational preaching that no matter which of these you choose, you want the sermon to have gotten into you and then to work its way out of you as you as you stand and deliver that message. But then he came to what for me is the, the best part of this whole chapter. Delivery and indeterminacy. You can plan, you can prepare, you can be ready. 
But if you are indeed, if you have been and are being guided by God's Holy Spirit, there are many things in that process that are beyond your control. And and you, you because of God's Spirit working in you, being on you, you, you need to be open to those things that will cause a sermon to change, to morph, to adapt in the midst of the sermon because of you and them and him. All of that intersecting together in that pulpit at that given moment. Um, and, and again, I, I quoted him there because it was a mouthful. Uh, what scholars call indeterminacy, I like to call the wild card factor of preaching. It is the unpredictable element of preaching that you can only discern and engage extemporaneously. No amount of planning or preparation will help you at that point. And, and I thought about those things that I have encountered over the years that, that affect that. And you, you can be ready, but you never can completely anticipate the mood of the room of that congregation when you step in there. Uh, and I, you know, it's a beautiful day, sun shining. Uh, there, there wasn't anything to keep people late, late last night. They're going to be on their toes. They're going to be sharp and ready to receive. Not necessarily. They could be dead in the water. Uh, and, and if the weather's bad, not just the little kids are on the edge. The adults, they're on the edge too. They, they're in a different place. Uh, there, there are things that happen in our community that affect the mood of the congregation. But, but they, they can kind of let you know that you're swimming upstream. Uh, are you being successful in delivering your message? So the mood of the congregation is one of those factors that comes into play. The music. I hate that prayer that is often prayed by the offertory prayer person. Lord, I pray that you use the music today to prepare our hearts to worship. No. No. If they didn't worship in the music... There's a less than average chance they're going to worship in your son. Uh, God works through music. He's blessed us with music. And, and good music, man, can do so many things. I, I can't tell you the number of times I've changed my introduction or I have altered a, a part of my sermon because God worked yeah. so powerfully through a song that was just sung. I mean, it's just an incredible blessing. I, I have been moved to tears and had to gather myself before I could start my sermon because the Spirit just rested on that place in that moment and, and altered the course of that. So, so good music can do all kinds of things to, to affect that mood in the room. Now, bad music? It's bad. I said it's bad music. I didn't say all I wanted to say. <laughs> We've said things about bad preaching and God can hit a straight line with a crooked stick and all that kind of stuff. I've never, in my 40-plus years of preaching, seen God bless bad music. It's, it's top of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, can you talk about quenching the spirit? Yeah. I've had some bad special music right before I preached, and it just sucked the life out of the room. And I wanted to pass. Everybody looked at me like, it's your turn. I want to say, pass somebody else. <laughs> uh, because it's so bad. So you want the music to be good. And that's where if you've got a minister of music who works with you, and I do, rather than against you, then it's a good thing. The preacher, no two sermons are exactly alike. I mean, we're, we're different from sermon to sermon. My 9.30 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. messages are never the same. But they are. Yeah. Same preparation, same outline. Uh, same place, but two different rooms, two different groups of people, two different times, and, and so it, it just changes. The illustrations may be different.
God may bring to mind a, a passage of scripture that, that didn't come to mind in that first service. Uh, if there's just that reaction to that group of people and to God's spirit leading in that process. So what does it mean to be open to the leadership and prompting of the spirit in the midst of the sermon, of sermon delivery? God brings things to mind and you have to discern because the next paragraph is something, sometimes things pop into your mind in the middle of the sermon that you don't need to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And so you have to, you're talking about on the fly now. You're in the, you're in the heat of the moment. It, the juices are flowing. And that, that funny little something comes to mind. That little quote, that quip that you heard or read on a blog or you heard one of your favorite preacher types say the week before, it was cute. It was amusing in that setting. It would be off-putting in this setting. And so we have to be have to be careful that we allow the Holy Spirit to filter those out while we are free to say those things that he brings to mind. I can't tell you the number of times that I have been preaching and, and looked around the room and made eye contact with somebody that I didn't know that was in the room and knew about their situation in life, knew about what was going on in their life. And it wasn't that it made me dodge where I was going, not at all. But it created an, an empathy in that moment, a tenderness in my spirit at that moment that prompted a, a statement and observation connected to that text that I had not planned to make. And I attribute that solely to the power of the working of God's Holy Spirit in that moment. Delivery and passion, good night. Passion in preaching can be cheaply manufactured you know, you can pound the pulpit, and I have. You can clap your hands, and I have. Stomp your feet, and I think I have. Uh, raise your voice, shout, spit, all those things that we do that would indicate that I am really in this. And that can be easily, cheaply manufactured, or it can be spirit-produced. No amount of yelling or homiletic histrionics can reproduce the passion of spirit-led preaching. You know, and the Lord knows. The delivery, connecting prayer, invitation, and application for back, Christian mission application. My, my preaching professor, Dr. James Taylor, who had co-wrote, re-edited a book, Preaching to Meet People's Needs. And he always asked a question that, that I thought was a good question. He, he wanted us to know what our objective was in the sermon before we ever started because he wanted to know at the end, did you accomplish your objective? Now, obviously, it's not. It, it's God giving us that objective. But we're back to how many points should a sermon have with at least one. You should have a goal in mind. You should be headed somewhere. You shouldn't get to the end and cross your arms and say, well, that's the end. It's over. Y'all go home. But we ought to be, if we're preaching for transformation, being used as the Holy Spirit to preach for transformation, there should have been some kind of objective, some kind of goal in there. And so we... we Give them something. We do have to avoid the tendency to be very prescriptive in our application. Because if you become overly prescriptive in the application, then you become the Holy Spirit, and He can just stay home that day. But we do need to be directive enough in our application to let them know what we thought the Lord was doing with that passage. Amen. 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 That's going to bring this episode of the podcast to a close. We want to thank you for listening. If you have questions or want to know more about the broader work of our churches that make up the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association, you can visit our website at www.harmonypittsburgh.com 
or you can contact us here by emailing Jeremy, that's J-E-R-E-M-Y, at HarmonyPittsburgh.com. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast.